On this edition of the Locked on Sun Devils podcast, we are joined by new Arizona State wide receiver Cam Johnson. Tune in right now and see all the fun stuff that we have to talk with him about on this edition of the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. You are Locked on Sun Devils, your daily podcast on the Arizona State Sun Devils. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome back to the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. My name is Richie Bradshaw, and I will be your guide for everything Arizona State Sun Devils. Thank you guys so much for making us your first listen every day. Remember, we're free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, if you would like to check us out in a visual platform. Today, we're joined by a very special guest, wide receiver Cam Johnson, the incoming transfer from Vanderbilt. Cam, thank you so much for coming on. We're so excited to get to talk to you and get to know you a little more. Definitely. I appreciate you having me on. I'm excited to just sort of uh, get to be on here and share some of my story today. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of story, that's where we're going to go ahead and start off is just kind of talking about, you know, your your early days at high school, as well as your time at Vanderbilt. So Cam, you were a consensus four star coming from Brentwood Academy, enjoyed a lot of success at Brentwood, looking at everything you had, a three time uh, state champion at Tennessee. And I was looking, you also played a little bit of basketball and a little bit of track and field. And according to Wikipedia, you you were a part of, I think it said like 13 state championships or something like that with all those sports combined. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was, so four team state championships in track, four in basketball, three in football. And then I had a couple of individual state titles like in track. Oh my gosh. Sprinkled in there as well. That's absolutely insane. So calling you an athlete would be a little bit of an understatement then. <laughs> Yes, sir. It also mentioned that uh, at your time at Brentwood Academy, you were hanging out with Dennis Garland and Gavin Schoenwald, I believe is how you pronounce that. Yes, Darius Garland and Gavin Schoenwald. Yeah, and for the big sports fans here, uh, Garland was the fifth overall pick back in 2019 by the Cleveland Cavaliers and had his first all-star this year. So that's a pretty cool little humble brag that, you get to say that you got to play on the same court as Darius Garland and then got to play on the same field as Gavin, who I was looking at was the sixth uh, tight end recruit when he was coming out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's crazy because Darius and Gavin and I decided to go to Broadway Academy together. I've known both of those guys since fourth grade. Um, so those are my best friends. Um, actually, Gavin and I flew out to Cleveland this uh, past, I think, February to be at the All-Star Game with Darius. Got to experience All-Star Weekend. Um, so it was honestly amazing. Um, and just to see both of their success and be able to go to the same colleges, both of them for a little bit and play with Gavin, have three more years was was awesome as well. Yeah, it's that's so cool, man, to be able to play with your best friends. Like, fourth grade, that's a long, long time. And then go to go to the same high school together, and all of you went to Vanderbilt together. So that, that's that got to be like just to call it a once-in-a-lifetime experience is, again, just, just like I mentioned earlier, it's got to be an understatement for you guys to be able to have that experience together. Yeah, just the, just the opportunity to do that is something that I can't put into words. Uh, I'm definitely grateful that we had that time together. And so uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world, honestly. Love to hear it. Uh, heading into this past year, 
uh, for the 2021 season. You were highlighted as a preseason All-SEC wide receiver. You were coming off a year where you paced the Commodores in uh, receptions and receiving yards at 56 catches and 545 receiving yards, respectively. What was it like to have that recognition heading into the year and know that the spotlight was going to be on you? Um, for me, it was something that I sort of embraced. I mean, whenever you're a recruit um, thinking about going to college and getting to play big-time college football, you always want those expectations and you want sort of the spotlight on you, uh, no matter who you are and what you say. You you want that. That's sort of what you work out for, you spend the extra time on the field for and things like that. So for me, it was just something that I was grateful for, something that I was um, looking forward to and embracing because I felt like the work I had put in sort of put me in a position for that, and I was I was ready for that spotlight. And so um, overall, I just think that it was just a culmination of my work as well as the, the teammates that I played for uh, or I played with and the coaches I played for that just uh, put me in a position to, to be a big-time receiver. Very, very nice. And, I mean, you did have a pretty good uh, career during your time at Vanderbilt. In, uh, in the last three years alone, notching 120 catches, just shy of 1,200 yards. So the opportunities were definitely there for you. And when called upon, I mean, I was looking at some of your highlights and the, the ability to create after the catch. There was a lot of underneath screens and stuff like that. And it just felt like every time the ball was in your hands, there was this opportunity to break off a big play. Do you feel like you're, you know, a big play receiver whenever that ball is in your hands? Oh, 100%. Um, I think that the biggest thing is, is me playing receiver was by accident. Um, I actually, when I moved to, to Nashville to go to Broadwood Academy, I played running back my entire career. Um, seventh grade at BA, I played running back. And then eighth grade in Nashville, there's a rule, or in Tennessee, there's a rule. You can't play um, more than six years between your seventh grade year and your senior year. And I had played seventh grade year in Kentucky, where I'm originally from, and got held back when I moved to, Na to Nashville. And so I had to sit out a year. And there's a thing called FBU that I was like, I need to play some kind of football. I can't play. I get to play travel basketball, things like that. But I, I'm not getting to play football. So I decided to join that team. Well, their trials were a week earlier than I sort of found out about that whole organization. And so I went out and asked whether any positions that they had open. And they had a receiver spot open. And so I was like, let me play receiver. Never played it before in my life, but I knew I could catch well. Um, and so I played that. And it just so happened that our first game, our first two games were actually at my high school. And so the high school coaches came and watched it, saw me play receiver. I had two really good games. And um, also just so happened that our best receiver my senior year was, or my eighth grade, after my eighth grade year was leaving. And so they were like, we need a receiver. You can play your freshman year if you want to stay a receiver. If you want to go to running back, you might sit for a year or two. And I was like, of course, I'll play receiver. And the rest was sort of history. Yeah, I was going to say, it looked like it worked out pretty well. You ended up being a four-star recruit, consensus four-star recruit at that. And for what it's worth, you look like a very comfortable guy in the in the open field. It, it, the ball just seems to come naturally to you. You don't look like a body catcher. You got those soft hands, everything that you look for in a receiver. So I'd say it worked out pretty well for you. Are you happy as a wide receiver? Or, uh, I noticed you didn't have a lot of opportunities with carries in the backfield is that something you wish you could get a little more of um i think personally i'm happy at wide receiver i think that 
there's a there's a big change between playing middle school running back and playing high school to college running back as far as being able to read holes, things like that. Mm-hmm. Things that I, I could do, but I don't think that I'm as good as an actual running back at right now. Um, and so I think that I'm comfortable at wide receiver. Um, I think that those running back skills just sort of help me a little bit whenever I get the ball in my hands. Like you mentioned, I'm able to make guys miss or shrug off sort of um, arm tackles. Yeah, no, like I said, you look very comfortable. And I, I think that running back prowess is still in you. Like like we talked about the ability to make those guys miss. Sometimes you just made them look silly. There was a play, I can't remember who it was against, but it was a little screen down the sideline. And as it looked like they were about to push you out of bounds, you just cut it right back towards the middle of the field and made just a big, big play. And it was really exciting to see. Yeah, I think that was against Missouri. And I think that uh, that running back prowess definitely plays part in it. Just being able to anticipate where guys are going to go, know when to make my move or um, sort of when to speed up or slow down to, to be able to get, my, get myself into a position where I'm able to make a guy miss. I think that those are all things that I learned playing running back and just sort of make me even more dangerous now. So I, I'm happy that, that it happened that way. Yeah. Uh, again, just looked like a very, very comfortable aspect for you when you were out there. One more question about Vanderbilt before we head into our first break here. What was the big reasoning for ending up choosing Vanderbilt? I mean, obviously there's the SEC aspect where you get like basically the biggest spotlight in college football on you. I know that you got to play with all three of your buddies again when you got there. Uh, uh, Darius and Gavin, all, all you guys went to Vanderbilt together. Was there anything else that kind of contributed overall to you wanting to go to the Commodores? Definitely. I think part of it was um, just the fact that I didn't visit a ton of places. So some places sort of maybe felt like I wasn't as interested in them as they were. And then just looking at it, I mean, my favorite sort of three, two other schools were probably Ole Miss and Auburn. Um, Auburn got a new OC and sort of um, – we're looking for a different type of receiver for the last guy and Ole Miss had the sanctions going on at the time. And so I saw Vanderbilt as a program that was on the rise. I mean, they had, they were, I think six and six the year before um, they actually were in the top 25 for a brief time, my senior year. And um, they were losing three really good receivers in Caleb Scott, CJ Duncan and Trent Surfield, all who uh, were either on NFL rosters briefly or still are on re- NFL rosters. And so I saw a need for me to play. And um, on top of that, my mom had always sort of stressed education. Um, my father or her didn't graduate. Um, not really sure of many people in my family who have graduated from college. So that was something she always stressed. And so being able to go to the SEC, make an immediate impact, and get – a top-notch degree were something that I just sort of looked at, like, I really can't pass this up, and I want to play for the hometown team anyways. I can sort of be a hometown hero for a little bit. Very nice. I mean, you, you love to hear it. And like you said, education, always an important aspect, and Vanderbilt a pretty respectable program when it comes to their educational standpoint. Definitely. All right, let's go ahead and hop into our first break here. When we return, we're going to go ahead and talk about Cameron's decision to come to Arizona State. We'll talk about that in just a second on the Locked On Sundables podcast. Bet Online is still your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And betonline.net is the number one spot 
for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action this season. BetOnline, where the game starts. And again, thank you guys so much for making Locked on Sun Devils your first listen every day. As we tune in here and continue our interview with wide receiver Cam Johnson, we're going to go ahead and hop into his arrival to Arizona State. So let's start with the most obvious question that I could come up with. What was your decision to come to Arizona State? So I think that it really, going into the transfer portal for me was about going somewhere where I felt like I was needed. Um, I've got two years left. Um but to be very open, hopefully I'm able to have a great year and sort of be able to get out. I mean, I'm 23 now, um, and so I want to go into the NFL as young as I can. Um, so I was looking for somewhere where I was needed and also somewhere where I felt like there was a good quarterback in place um, and just somewhere where I felt like I would be developed and had a chance to go to the NFL. And when I when I sat back and looked, Arizona State was just some, somewhere that I really felt like that was the case. I mean, Coach, Coach Bobby Wade has – um, played in the NFL. You got Coach Herm, Coach Marvin Lewis, um, so many coaches on the roster that have coached in the NFL and have league connections that for me it was almost a no brainer. And then you couple in the fact that they've lost a couple of key guys at the receiver spot and just got Emory, who I think is a great quarterback. I got to play against him a couple times. Um, and Paul Tyson as well, who were both just really good quarterbacks. I think that for me there was no no place else that was going to be better and sort of give me the same opportunities to come in and make an immediate impact and sort of have a big year to be able to go to the NFL as well as develop me at the same time. Well, I definitely love to hear the glowing reviews about my alma mater for sure. There's a few things just from what you mentioned that I'd love to digest a little more. So one of the things you mentioned was the ability to develop you and get you to the pros. For what it's worth, Arizona State has had some pretty good receivers come through their program over the last 10 years and transfers nonetheless. So Jalen Strong and Brandon Ayuk were both guys who transferred from the program from community colleges. Jalen Strong goes on to be one of the most dominant receivers that the program's ever had, was a third-round pick by the Houston Texans back in 2015. And Brandon Ayuk ends up being a a two-year player for the team, goes on and has one of the most like ridiculously great seasons as a deep threat for the program and as a first-round pick by the 49ers. And then even from big-name programs, you had a few years ago a UCLA receiver by the name of Devin Lucian who came in and was a 1,000-yard receiver despite not having a ton of opportunities with the Bruins. So when you talk about the opportunity to get to the pros, were was any of this like – track record kind of indicative to you of like, this is definitely a good spot for me. Definitely. I think that whenever you look at programs, um, track record isn't necessarily everything. I don't think that just because one program doesn't have as many, um, maybe prospects at your position that have went to the NFL, that that means that they can't get you there. But to say that you've had so many receivers over just the past five to 10 years be drafted. I think that that's something that, um, you can't really replace that value whenever you're looking at your programs. I mean, I think personally that um, that shows that they're able to use your position well. They're able to sort of develop your position well. And those are all things that I sort of need in my last um, 
one or two years to be able to make this final push and become the player I need to be to get to that next level. 100%, man. And I, I love the fact that looking at the program and knowing that we have that ability to get you to the next level was something that really intrigued you. Now, another thing you mentioned that Arizona State fans are very familiar with right now is there have been a lot of transfers from the program, especially at the wide receiver spot. We've lost three guys, including number one receiver Ricky Pearsall, who paced us last year in, re in receptions and receiving yards. You also have lost a couple other receivers to other programs. And looking at the spot right now, there's, there's an Andre Johnson who looked very good at the first half of the season and kind of disappeared in the second half. And Brian Thompson, who's one of the more veteran guys, who was also a transfer from Utah. Those are the top options right now. And I am excited for them to get into bigger roles this year. I think that both of them have that big playability. But I look at you as well, and you've got the most not imp not impressive track record. It definitely stands out the most in terms of like the opportunity that you've had. That's what I'm looking for. Is like you you've had the most time on the field. Do you think that's going to end up being the reason why you're potentially the number one receiver heading into the year? Um, I think that it can help a little bit, but uh, a lot of it I think is going to focus on sort of how we do in camp. I mean, those guys have been working the same way I've been working. And, you know, try, my, my previous uh, snaps is definitely going to help me whenever it comes to games and sort of in practice and things like that, being able to maybe know what's coming before it's coming. But ultimately it's going to come down to how we produce on the field in camp. And I think that just from watching all the receivers over the past couple of days, it's going to be a tight, it's going to be a tight uh, room and contested room. Um, there's so many guys on the roster that I think are really good receivers um, just from what I've seen over the past four years and comparing those to guys I've seen that have been good. So I think that um, it's really going to come down to what we do in camp. And, you know, I think experience will help me a lot. Um, but I don't necessarily know that that'll be the main reason that that I am the number one if that's what that's what happens after camp. That's got to be like the biggest thing you want to be, though, right, is the number one receiver for the team, want to stand out the most? Definitely. I think that. If you if you don't want that, then something's wrong with you, especially as an athlete. Hundred uh, percent. So yeah, definitely. Love I love that. Like an alpha male mentality almost is you want to be the best guy on the field. Naturally, I'm sure you'll be promoting your teammates and you'll want them to be competing with you. But at the end of the day, Cam Johnson definitely wants to be the number one receiver, and we can't blame him. There's absolutely an opportunity though. There's there's so much that the program is missing. Rashad White went to the NFL. He was one of our leading receivers as well. So to say that the opportunity is there would be a massive understatement. With that in mind, I did want to bring up, you did transfer to the program after the spring practices had ended. Does that kind of put you behind the eight ball a little bit? What, what exactly is kind of your process moving forward now? Obviously, you'll still have camp. In, in a few weeks down the road here, but does missing spring ball kind of affect the way that you're kind of going into the season or is it just kind of like a no big deal thing? Like I'll be able to adjust on the fly without any issues. Um, so I would say in a program where you have a returning offensive coordinator, um, it's been there for a couple of years that it would be a lot bigger of a deal than it, than having coach Thomas just now come in who, got here in the spring and sort of those guys only had 15 practices. So they right. aren't 
practices ahead of me, and they are so many days ahead of me as far as getting installs and doing walkthroughs and things like that. So it's definitely going to be tougher. Um, but again, I think it comes down to how you you sort of perform in camp, and that means I've got six weeks to learn everything that they know. And for me, I feel like I've had four offensive coordinators in four years at Vanderbilt. I'm able to pick up offense as quickly as soon as I sort of get in the playbook, get to being able to walk through it and see it on a board, things like that. And so I'm already in the playbook, sort of getting the installs down. Um, so that way, by the time camp comes, I'm able to say, okay, you don't have to worry about me. You don't have to baby me, coach. You don't have to stand on the sideline and say, this is what you have. You're, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to play fast and I'm going to be able to know exactly what I'm doing that way that um, there's no sort of issues with why is he doing the wrong thing or that's not a reason why I'm not um, winning a spot if that's what it comes down to that it's because I didn't perform to the level that I was able to so it's really all going to be performance-based rather than knowledge-based. I would agree with that completely it's at the end of the day it's all about the time that you put in and I would say that you definitely put the time effort and the, the passion into playing playing the game. You definitely come across as that guy. It shows when you're watching the highlight reels. And if if I had tape access, I'm sure that that would pop up as well. Uh, overall, what are you doing to prepare with the quarterbacks? Because this is, this is also an offseason where you're having to replace Jaden Daniels, who was a three-year starter for the program. You mentioned Paul Tyson, who... I'm sure you're a little familiar with being another SEC guy. Uh, Trenton Bourget is a guy who's been with the program for a little bit. But the biggest addition being Emory Jones, who you mentioned you've got to play against a couple of times. Uh, he, just like you, has an inside track to potentially be the day one starter. Like I said, in the same sense that you could be the number one wide receiver. Are you Are you spending a lot of time with these guys doing like practices on the field? Do you text each other, talking about the playbook? you guys ever hop on Warzone together? What are you doing to kind of build the chemistry with these quarterbacks right now? Um, so I think right now it's been a little bit tough. So I got here on Wednesday, sort of um, was able to watch some of the walkthroughs and things like that, and then mm -hmm. started the process of getting cleared throughout this week. And so I'm not able to be on the field with him yet. Um, but being a, I've been texting with both of the guys um, – sort of if, if I have any questions, I know that they're there about the playbook and things like that. And I think that it's a lot easier whenever I'm able to, to be cleared, which I think will be in the next couple of days, uh, maybe I think tomorrow, hopefully. Um, but once you're able to sort of actually be on the field with them, it's a lot easier because you're able to – you can run around and they can tell you, hey, I know you ran it like this, but I sort of like it like this a little more, and then show you a clip of it rather than just sort of going over the playbook with you. I think that – um, they can be valuable and sort of going over the playbook and tell you what they're going to think. But I think that overall there's nothing that beats sort of the experience of actually being on the field together and getting to work with them. So that's something that I'll definitely do throughout this entire offseason with both guys. Love to hear it. And I think that, like I said, there's a very good opportunity for you to end up as the number one receiver at a minimum in a very, very important role for the team. And building that chemistry is something that we absolutely love to hear. Let's go ahead and hop into our final break now. When we return, we're going to talk about some 2022 goals for Cam Johnson and a couple very important questions about his expectations for the team this year. This is the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, 
it's now nearly impossible for your local chain auto parts store to host all of the car parts that you need. Why sit there and endure often pointless questions or seemingly intimidating questions while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer and choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more on the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years with prices reliably low for every customer. If you go to their website today, it's easy to explore and you can find a solution to all your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in there, how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Get more of the Pac-12 by making Locked On Pac-12 your second listen of the day with everyday coverage by Spencer McLaughlin and local experts of the Locked On Podcast Network. Everything you need to know in 30 minutes or less. Let's go ahead, hop into our final conversation here with guest Cam Johnson. 2022 season goals. I think we'll just start nice, broad, nice and easy. What's ASU going to be getting out of you this year? Um, I think that you're going to be getting a guy who's going to give his all for ASU every single play. Um, I'm going to be able to sort of get when I get the ball in my hands and make big plays for you guys, as well as sort of um, just be a guy that you can count on to catch the ball whenever whenever he's thrown his way. I think that that's another one of my biggest strengths. And so I think that those are two of the major things you can sort of count on. Um, as far as goals, um, I think every receiver has that dream of a 1,000-yard season, so that's definitely one. Um, be an all pack 12 performer is another one of mine. And then um, I think more importantly for team goals, I mean, this is a team that was third in the pack 12 last year. And quite frankly, if you look at a lot of the games, um, we beat ourselves. And so being able to sort of turn that around when those games that we beat ourselves in are something that um, I think the team and I as well are sort of looking forward to. And we think that we got the ability to do some big things. And so we're excited about it. And you answered one of my questions as I was going to, I was going to ask you next, is there any statistics you have in mind? But like you said, all those receivers dream of the thousand yard year. And if there was ever an opportunity, this is a great opportunity for you to end up standing out there. Have you by chance looked at the schedule at all? I have a little bit. Is there any games that really stand out to you as like, this is a huge opportunity for me to prove myself or even just excited for the matchup? Definitely. I think that the three major games that I've sort of, or maybe four, I mean, yeah, three probably, that I've highlighted right now are definitely um, Oklahoma State, Mm -hmm. um, you know, being in the Big 12 championship last year. They're a really good team. Um, And so I think that that's one where you can have a game and sort of have a breakout game and people really start to know your name. Um, Utah, of course, um, being the, not the fact, they they were the Big 12 championship. championship game last year but Utah of course being the Pac-12 champions um, a team that I'm definitely excited to play play and then uh, USC of course I mean I grew up actually a USC fan because of Reggie Bush playing running back um, that makes so, sense yeah so being able to play at the Coliseum is something that I'm I'm so excited about I think that if you could have put picked three games off the schedule to really stand out those are the three games and 
the the Oklahoma State one in particular is one of the ones that stands out the most to me this year. Like you said, being in the Big 12 championship this past year and going to Stillwater to play the Cowboys is going to be potentially a nationally broadcast game. So that might be like the biggest stage that you could be on, at least for Arizona State standards. I'm sure there's been plenty of games during your Vanderbilt time where you got broadcast to a large audience. Uh, going into the year, as you know, there's there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, potentially with some NCAA sanctions and violations coming down. And the fans are unfortunately kind of very pessimistic heading into the year. But what are some reasons you think they should be excited about the year and not be given up hope? Um, I think when you look at it, a lot of there were they had some or we had some key guys leave. Um, and so that's understandable. I think that the for one, the NCAA violations aren't going to happen this season or it's not going to be something where we're banned from the postseason this season. Right. Um, as far as as far as I think, I mean, I can't say that for sure. But so I don't think that there's going to be any reason to worry that they're going to be anybody, anybody on the team that is thinking, oh, we can't play for the, pre- the postseason, so what are we playing for, anything like that. And I don't think that if that did happen, you would have to worry about that anyways. Um, but on top of that, I know, like I said, there were some key guys who left, but I think that um, there was a lot of really good players who stayed as well, a lot of players that were part of the nucleus and sort of um, have been here and sort of been fueled by the players leaving or the, the media saying that we're not going to be as, as good as we were last year. And just also knowing that, hey, we were 8-5 and five football team last year. And like I said, we beat ourselves in some games. So we should have a chance to turn this around. And so I think that those are all reasons to not necessarily be pessimistic. And then you look at the guys we brought in um, just in transfers. I think that we are able to plug some of those holes that have been left open. And I think that it's going to end up – we're going to end up doing a lot of things this year that sort of shock people and um, give the reason the fans a reason to be really excited about not only what we're doing this year, but Arizona State's future as well. I definitely find myself some days I feel like, oh, man, this is going to be a really tough year. But there's other days where I sit there and I'm like, you know what? There's a lot on the line for the program. Herm Edwards is going to be coaching for his life. And if there's a guy who people buy into the mentality, it's definitely Herm Edwards. He's he's a guy who can rally the players. And I have to imagine that might have been one of the reasons you transferred here, right? Definitely. I mean, Coach Harm is awesome. If you talk to anybody in the building, players, coaches, uh, support staff, anybody, they love Coach Coach Herm. And it's really just um, his personality and the way that he sort of inspires his players. So um, he's definitely going to do a good job of that. And that was, of course, the reason that I, I wanted to come here. Just after talking to him a little bit, I knew that he was somebody I'd love to play for. 100% man. I'm I'm still on that Herm train right now. I'm I'm doing my best because, like I said, if there's a guy I think can get us through this because of the crafts that he has on the players and the way that everyone buys into him, I think he can be the one to help us get through this. One last question for you before we get you out of here. U of A. We have no love for the University of Arizona way down south. I don't know if you know too much about the history between the programs. It's actually the longest standing rivalry in college sports dating back to the late 1800s u of a was actually trying to block arizona at the time was arizona normal university 
they were trying to block us from becoming a state university. And because of that, there's just absolutely no love loss. We've beat them five straight years, though. In fact, the little picture I have back there is a billboard that says 70 to 7, which was a massive blowout that we had a couple years ago. I got to imagine you want to you wanna help us win six straight, right? Oh, 100%. I, I always am big on rivalry games. I love the atmosphere. And so if, if, if we don't like U, U of A, which I've already known, then I don't like U of A. So we're going to make sure we go out there and, and, and give them a, a pretty good butt kicking, hopefully. That is exactly what I want to hear. We want to continue that streak. Everyone's hyping them up because they had a pretty good recruiting class. They got a transfer quarterback from Wazoo, uh, being Jaden Delora, who tore us up last year. I know U of A's got revenge on their mind, but I certainly know that this program, if there's one thing we know how to do, it's beat the U of A Wildcats. So I definitely love hearing that you are ready to stand up for this rivalry and continue making us champs against them. Yes, sir. All right, Cam, again, thanks so much for hopping on the podcast. You've been so much fun to talk to, and we definitely look forward to continuing to see your career develop and hopefully get you to the NFL like you were saying. Uh, we'd love to have you for two years, but if you blow up this year and you get that opportunity, no one here is going to blame you for that. So, again, thank you so much for stopping by. Guys, make sure that you tune in this year. Cam Johnson's going to be a very big part of what Arizona State wants to do. Look for number seven on the field. And if you want to follow him on Twitter, you can find him at Cam, John Cam Johnson underscore 23. Cam, again, thanks so much for stopping by. Thank you for having me on. I enjoyed it. All right. And until next time, guys, you keep it locked right here on the Locked on Sun Devils.